Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is for you, Kings fans, wherever you may be. All the frustration and disappointment of the past is gone. The 45-year drought is over. The Los Angeles Kings are indeed the kings of the National Hockey League. They are the 2012 Stanley Cup champions. Cleared away by the Kings, picked up by Martinez. Martinez to Clifford. Feeds it right side to Foley with a shot. Save, rebound, score! Alec Martinez has won the Stanley Cup for the Los Angeles Kings. And royalty reigns again in the NHL. Welcome into Hockey Royalty, making it rain episode Thanksgiving edition here. Uh, as always, my podcaster in crime, Joe Paterino. How you doing, my man? Fired up, fired up for uh, well, big win on uh, on Monday for the rain, but fired up for Thanksgiving. I'll be honest, love Turkey Day. Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, let's let's talk about it. You know, we're gonna do an hour on Thanksgiving, and then we'll get to the rain in the back five <laughs> minutes. Uh, just kidding there, but I mean, what is like some of the family traditions that you have? Uh, what are your favorite parts about Thanksgiving? And then obviously the food is a, a major part. Like what is your go-to uh, thing on the plate? I, so we, for my entire life that I could, for as long as I can remember, we, we go to my aunt's house. Um, the whole family goes to my aunt's house and it's probably scaling back a little bit these days. You know, obviously everybody's a bit older now. So with various kids and families and, and, um, but there's still a good crowd that goes there and it's still, and I'm kind of an old soul. So I, and I get stuck in my way. So I, that's just what we do. But since I've been, you know, with my wife, you know, even back when we were, we were dating, we go to her mom's, um, we're both, we're Italian. Her, her mom is literally from Italy. My family is Italian. So on that side of it, when we go to her mom's, we have pasta, uh, in addition to the Turkey, which is awesome. I mean, I'm a very boring eater. Uh, for Thanksgiving, I literally just give me turkey, gravy, mashed potatoes, and I'm perfectly fine. Some bread and butter, <laughs> some some pie, and I'm all set. Uh, but then I go for dinner number two and mix in some 
some pasta on top of it and I'm in heaven. So is there such thing as like a turkey ravioli? I think that would be like, what if you did like turkey ravioli with some gravy sauce, like a gravy style sauce or like a white sauce? If I, I'm telling you, if I asked my mother-in-law to try it, she would do it. She would, she would, she would. Mother-in-law, you're listening in because I know you, you appreciate <laughs> everything Joe does and you support him and all of his facets. Get it done. Start from, start from scratch tomorrow. Get it done. I showed uh, her a picture once of a rigatoni pie that I saw online. Yeah. Like two weeks later, she had made it. <laughs> <laughs> so she I would wish- give it a run. I wish I had that, you know, like it's, uh, you know, we, I mean, not to get too far into my family's past, but like, we didn't really have any, like the, like the traditions, you know, like my, my grandmother was from Poland or her family is from Poland, but like, she never really cooked Polish food. And then, you know, we're Canadian, Canadians don't really have any like special dishes besides like poutine and stuff like that, which I didn't really get into when we were younger either. So, you know, it was just kind of like Americana. I never really had like, (laughs) what do you know, for lack of a better word, ethnic families like cook on Thanksgiving in addition to Turkey. So that's kind of interesting. Yeah, that's okay. So that is what, so what is it that you would get into? Was it, if there wasn't any of that, was there something that you did different every year? No, I mean, it was Turkey mashed potatoes, you know, stuffing, um, all that kind of stuff like that. But I think I was kind of just like a little bit of a, I guess it's Americana. I mean, burgers are right. But so like you just get the rolls, you open it up, you put a slice of turkey, you put some mashed potatoes on there, you sprinkle gravy over it, almost like a biscuits and gravy with like turkey edition, like kind of like that, and then just cut it up and eat it that way. Um, I would do a lot of those. And then I think one of my favorite parts of Thanksgiving is like the day after like turkey sandwiches. So I'm kind of, yeah, because I'm kind of like a mad scientist. Like right now I still have like, uh, like hatch chili chicken in my crock pot as we're recording this thing. And so like the next day, it's like the sandwiches that you can make with turkey, you know, like kind of like what if I put like a some of the cranberry sauce get a little sweet and savory thing going on the the biscuit and so like you're just kind of making that kind of stuff up the next day and then you just you're in pjs the entire day watching football you know that was always good but lately like it's just my three brothers and I in in Dallas or DFW area and so um you know we just kind of all hung out last year we tried to go all out like and bought a bunch of stuff and then it it was okay. And it was like, not worth the money and the effort. Like, so I have so much more like appreciation for all the moms out there or dads out there that cook all day long. So Here's- I think, to, so I think today we're, I think this year we're doing like, cause my brother loves mashed potatoes. My other brother loves stuffing. So I think they're going to do both of those. And then I'm just gonna be like, you know, F it. We're just going to get steaks and like, I'm just going to barbecue steaks, mashed potatoes and, and stuffing. And we're just going to go that way. Cause I don't have the time effort or want to do a Turkey Although there was a barbecue place nearby that was like made the brisket for you, like a whole brisket for like a, like a, what, like 110, like it was already made. And oh, all wow. you had to do was pick it up on Thanksgiving morning. And like you didn't, all you had to do, was, you know, keep it in the oven to keep it hot, warm. So I'm talking to my brothers about that. But yeah, pretty much this year is just going to be watching football and chilling. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. So there was nothing chilling about this weekend, you know, with the, the heat and, and the rain. Uh, ice in the veins for us, heat in the veins for them, you know, clash of the, the elements and, uh, the, we split it one, one, but, you know, coming in, coming into it, we were one, two in the standings. We remain one, two in the standings because we split it there. Martin Furk still number one score in the league with 20 points, um, you know, and, and everything that way. But, uh, Kachev has moved up to, to third on our team and or second on our team in assists in a short time with us. 
And that leads us into my first question. Like, who, who's the star of the weekend? I'm going to go with Kachev. I think he has answered the toll. He's come down, came over here with high hopes of, of starting for the Kings and being there for the Kings. He even had it in his contract that he could leave if he, if he wanted to. Um, you know, he said he was there for the long haul, but he's proved that he's willing to go down and, and show why he uh, should be in, in the main roster. We know that it's clogged up there. We know we got to get some Drano and, and make some spots for him. But, you know, he's been doing good. Like, oh, he's a point-per-game player or over a point-per-game player. He has a point streak of, I think, every game that he's been here, which – and uh, actually finally got a goal. You know, got rewarded in, with a little snipe skis inside the circle in the second game. So, I think he's been playing really well. He's shown why. Most of his points are on the power play. Uh, cough, cough. Uh, Rob Blake, uh, we are struggling on the power play for the Kings, so let's pull this guy back up. But, I mean, he's doing everything that could be asked of him in the offensive zone. He's been great. Um, and I think he's the type of player that it's, – it's the exact type of player that, that the Kings could probably use on their roster. But, like you mentioned, they have a lot of bodies right now, and it's just – it's not always that easy. And I know sometimes we always get caught up in it. I'm sure you do. I know I have of, well, let's just do this and bring this guy up and wave this guy. Well, it's not necessarily always that easy. Um, so it's that said, I am itching to get him back in Los Angeles because he's a guy that the way he plays the game, the way he sees the ice, how creative he is, um, his pin, just his passing is outstanding. And you mentioned the power play. Um, yeah, he, he's a, he's a piece that could be, utilized uh, greatly in that manner in Los Angeles. That's for sure. But yeah, he's looked very good uh, with goes without saying 11 points. I think he has in seven games. So he's doing a heck of a job, you know, and it's, it's stuck with me since our Scott Wheeler interview again, thanks again for Scott for coming on, but the, him saying it didn't really click to me until he said, it. he said, the game is changing. Obviously you see all the highlight plays, right? You see Con uh, Connor McDavid, you know, dangle between five guys and go and go bar down. Like, yeah, those are the highlight real plays. But when you break it down, there's maybe maybe five or to ten rushes a game. Most of the game is played in the offensive zone, uh, you know, and with cycles and vision and all this kind of stuff. So you don't necessarily need a player to be supremely athletic with with the skating and the speed and all this kind of stuff like that. Hit more of a cerebral player, and and Vlad has definitely got that. He's he's the impaler. Like you could see when there's a a, a pass that he made, like he's not afraid to make it. He can sauce it over a freeway if he wanted to. And, and he's the type of player that I think is what the NHL is about and what the power play could definitely use. And it just never looks like he's in a rush. Um, he looks so calm out there, whether he has the puck or he doesn't have the puck or he's under pressure, not under pressure. He he's, it doesn't look like he's, you know, his, his temperature rises um, and he's very calm out there with the puck. And it's just, he, again, he's, he's a really, really talented player. And hopefully at some point this season, we see him again in Los Angeles, but it's been fun to watch in Ontario. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. I know that his uh, preseason line, you know, isn't really effective right now because, you know, Velarde's down with uh, the, the rain as well, but I floated it on Twitter to a fan. I said, I said, you look at, I know Brown went down to the third line, but you know, maybe you move him to the fourth line and you run a, you run a Kapari, you know, Kachev, uh, Leas Anderson line and have that driving the play forward with both Leah Sanderson and, and uh, Kupari. And then you have the, the Supreme passer. So, you know, kind of make up for what uh, Kachev lacks in five on five. It'd be an interesting uh, line combination, um, you know, and, and see how that moves going forward. I think Leas will definitely help the Kings moving forward. 
but who do you have with your uh, uh, star of the week there? You know, I, I went back and forth. Uh, I'm I'm going to do a, a mini cop out and throw uh, just going to throw an honorable mention or a, or a hat tip to Helge Granz. I thought he had a really, really good weekend, had a power play goal, picked up an assist uh, yesterday's game or excuse me, Monday's game. So uh, I'm going to throw his name out there. But my pick's going to be Tyler Madden. Um, as you'll recall, I was very high on him early in the season. I thought he played great and the pucks just weren't falling for him. He was getting the opportunities. He was getting the chances and they just weren't going in. Then he got a couple and then he went on a seven game, just goalless spell where it just wasn't falling, but he picked up two big goals. You know, you're coming off a loss, uh, to Stockton. Um, and then he scores two first period goals on, on Monday. And that was huge for obviously for Ontario, but for him too, to kind of get off the schneid a bit. So I'm going to go with Tyler Madden, still very optimistic on, on what he can do this season. And hopefully he can start to get into a little bit more of a rhythm. Yeah, I think rhythm is is one word. I think swag is another one. You saw him in in the NCAA. Every 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 goal he scored, different celebration. He's down on one knee doing the Bronco or you know playing the guitar or whatever you want to do. And and like he's that type of swag player that could definitely have it where one or two goals fall and he starts getting that confidence and he just becomes a snowball you know down that perennial hill where it just gets bigger and bigger and, and he's unstoppable at that point. And I think he's just a couple clicks away of, of being that dominant guy that we saw in the NCAA and with that confidence in the skill part of the game, you know, not that the rain are lacking that, but he hasn't been finishing. And I think it could be something that is beneficial for, for him personally. I thought his second goal too was awesome. So Jersey makes a great play at the defensive blue line uh, to poke the puck away from the, the Stockton forward and Madden's right there to pick it up. He chips it past the D-man and just blows right past him. Goes in, makes a real nice move, and goes tweeners on the goalie. Um, that ended up tying the game at two, and it was a just a really good goal and showed how fast he is, how quick he can be uh, with his first few steps, um, and his separation of getting past the defenseman. So, and and, and a high skill move to get to score the goal too. So it was a it was a really good goal to see. Um, it looked like it looked like a little bit like a stutter step in basketball, right? Like that kind of pause, and then he just. That quick first two jumps and he was he gone beat the defender exactly. yeah yeah exactly yeah. so that was that was great to see um so again hopefully he's a guy i mean i know there's a number of guys that i think kings fans are probably like you know we keep saying well we, we need turcott to get going and madden to get going and fagima to get going like on a consistent basis it seems like each of them have like stretches of like two three games where they get hot score a few and then they cool and they get hot and they put some in and they and then they cool and it's just and which is fine as a team for Ontario because, you know, even if, if one line's not clicking or one guy's not clicking, the rest are, right? They're getting production from all over the place, including the back end. So from outside range- of like the McDavid's and the dry sidles of the league, like, is that common for, for team? Is that better for the team to have like different players step up all the time with how packed the rain are? Or, I mean, cause it's, in, it's improbable for every person on the roster to have, a point streak going, you know, consistently. Right. So, yeah. So like, is that, is it better for the team to have multiple people stepping up and having their moments from weekend to weekend or, or do you like, is well, it probable to have everybody playing well all the time? If, well, there's, and I do think, and I think I, I like the way you worded that because there's a difference. It, there's a difference between playing well 
and production. Yeah. Right. You can play really well. Like I thought Tyler Madden at the start of the season was playing great. It just, the pucks weren't falling. So you look at his stat line at the end of the day, he's got no goals and no assists. And it's like, ah, did he play well? Well, he actually, he did play well. So sometimes that happens. And, you know, just because you score a goal doesn't mean you played well. So I do think there's that delicate balance. I mean, I think you look at the way the rain have been structured. I mean, TJ Tynan is one of the more dominant players I've seen in the American Hockey League in a long time. He's he he stands out as somebody who is clearly in control every time he's on the ice. So he's a guy that you've got that's on a pretty consistent point producer for for the team. He's probably not a guy that's going to go into lengthy stretches where he doesn't get points. Um, so you can count third, on third him. on our team in points right now, still after the, the exactly. road trip with the Kings, still third. Yeah. Exactly. So you can count on a guy like that. And I think if a team has at least that one guy or that one line that has somebody on that line, that's really, you, you can pretty much count on something happening on a night in night out basis. Um, but it's just, that's where it comes into like the secondary scoring and secondary scoring is not every time it's going to be the second line. It might be the third line. It might be the fourth line. Like Sutter scored a goal yesterday, a, the, a big goal. It ended up being the game winner, if I'm not mistaken. Um, or maybe it tied the game. But either way, um, you know, so there's, it's, you want your top guys to be your top yeah, guys. Yeah, tied the game, tied the game. Yeah. So you want your top guys to be your top guys, right? And And you're going to rely on them to be your, every night in, night out, making something happen. Um, and then when you it's to your secondary scoring, they're not all going to click at the same time. And you hope they play well, to your point, but, you know, pucks aren't always going to fall. So you hope that you get some guys chipping in and you, you just look at the Reigns last game. So Madden had the two, and then just look at the third period, right? Sutter ties it, Austin Strand scores a goal, and then to, uh, um, Kachev scores a goal. So you had kind of a mix of a fourth line, a D-man, uh, which he was out there with the fourth line. And then you have uh, Kachep. So it's, it's a really good balance of almost every line chipping in, um, in that last game. Yeah. So let's, let's start with the first game. Um, and we talked about it last week, Gabriel Velarde coming down and got instantly rewarded with a goal, uh, from TJ Tynan. So, uh, you know, confidence to him wearing the old school 42 for all the, the fans that bought jerseys before he switched his number, you know, went with the retro number for him. Uh, but it, you know, it, they got bit in the butt in the second period with the penalties Two gave up two power play goals. And that was the end of it. And they, they got behind and never came back. Yeah. There's two, the special teams was a, a big factor, uh, positive and negative, frankly, for, for the rain, they had chances. They had four power plays in the first period, including a five on three late in the period, excuse me, three power plays, including a five on three late in the, um, late in the first period and they could not score. And I'll be honest, it didn't look, it just didn't look that crisp. And, you know, they've had a long time at eight days off before they played. You're mixing in another guy like Velarde was out there a bit. So you, now you're starting to mix and match in the first Tynan's game, back. Tynan's back. And then they lost, for that first game, they did not have Jersey. Right. So they had Jordan Spence in the top unit. So, you know, I, I, I don't think it's crazy to think that it's not going to look as crisp right away but yeah. that said fire them all in my opinion just get all get rid of all of them yeah. bring, bring bring up the swamp rabbits we we, we need a full change exactly no, 
that said, they had they had opportunities that they did not capitalize on in the first period. Um, and then to make things worse, their penalty kill did not do the job in the second period. So despite the fact that Helge Grans did score a power play goal in, in the second period, their penalty kill was uh, was not very good. They allowed two goals on five um, heat power plays. And that's that's uh, that's going to do it. You know, they 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 paraded to the box in that second period. Um and the special teams just wasn't good enough. So uh, five on five, I don't think they were bad. Like, I don't think it was a bad game overall. Really good pace, good jump to the game. Um, you can tell it was a game that the two teams knew, you know, this was kind of a measuring stick type of performance, um, if you will, this early in the season with how well they both played. And, you know, so I, th- I thought it was a it was a good game to watch. It's just the special teams kind of let them down. Yeah, Jacob Pelletier, I mean, he had a goal and assist in, in that game. I believe he's a first-round pick, if I remember correctly. Um, so if I'm, if I'm remembering the same guy. But, yeah, I mean, you're looking at that. I think if, we, if we're going to take a positive from this, Gabriel Velarde got a goal. So we were talking about his confidence and how important that is. He's playing on the wing, so we're hoping that he comes back up as a wing. And then Helgi Granz, right? We're talking about how he's getting adjusted to the smaller ice, um, getting the confidence there. Confidence there. And then we, we believe that – you know, there's a high upside to his game offensively that is untapped so far because he's playing, he was playing at such a high level in the SHL that you, he's worried about his own zone first and then relying on, on offense coming second. And, you know, and I know that this is, um, well, I just lost, lost his name at right. I was meant to make a point. The first overall pick that for Buffalo, the lefty. Darlene. Yeah. Darlene. So there was a scout that said that Helgi Granz is Darlene light. Like he, has a lot of the same skills. He skates a lot of the same way. He makes a lot of the same reads, uh, just not as consistently in his draft year as as Darlene did. And so, I mean, if the if the rank can get him to consistently starting to improve, which I think he is, I think every week he still looks progressively better. I mean, he's still a rookie in in the AHL, and so you know that comes with lapses. But I, overall, I think he's doing great and improving every week. I don't know about you really really happy with with how he's played and i i thought these last two games against a very good stockton team he looked really good what i like to see from a young d-man too is he he doesn't seem to be lacking in confidence and the reason i feel like i can say that without actually being there and actually like talking to him is you watch to to have the confidence and the 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 ability to just jump up in the play offensively and not hesitate and just you see an opportunity, you see a lane, you see a loose puck and you're going, you know, oftentimes, I mean, I think you can see a young defense and maybe play things a little bit safer or a little bit more cautious. Maybe they're going to hesitate. That's not happening. And he, he's, he was all over the offensive zone, each of these last two games. And we mentioned that first game, he had the power play goal. He had an opportunity to play on the second power play unit because Spence took Jersey's spot uh, on the top unit. And I suspect that he'll continue to do that now with Jersey back up. So, his I, eyes are constantly up. He's making a good first pass. Like he's doing a lot of things. I yeah. think his, I don't know about you. I mean, you're a coach. I mean, I think his spacing is, is good on the defensive end. He's, he's taken away a lot of, of uh, ice with it, with his stick and his, his spacing. And I, I think he's doing a great job. I think he's doing well in the D zone. You can tell. So there was a goal. It was yesterday's. I think it was the, it was the second goal. He, it was, excuse me, it was the first goal. It was a tip in front. And, um, but the puck, so his guy ends up having the puck on the wall and it moves up and you can almost see him like 
processing and thinking like he's he's very focused on the d zone and he wasn't letting his man get to the front of the net and he didn't so yeah the, the pass went up and he didn't let his guy get to the front so it wasn't his guy that ended up you know scoring the goal or anything like that but he's he's definitely um is going to be a bit of a work in progress in the back end but that's okay um and i'll throw one other thing out in that on that first game that they lost Five on five, I had them out attempting Stockton uh, by, it was close. I mean, it wasn't anything significant, but they were, they were definitely better at five on five um, than they were special teams. Yeah, special teams just bit them in the butt there. Well, let's, I, I don't know if you ever uh, play with yo-yos as a kid, but Jersey's been doing a little yo-yo action between the clubs mm-hmm. here, uh, going up and down. We thought that he would get some uh, play, especially against the, the Yotes, um, you know, coming in against the last place team. Kings need power play help. Jersey, uh, hello, he can do that and uh, get sent back down after not playing at all. And so fans were like, okay, you know, was that just a paper transaction, a little, a little, um, you know, a little money there in his pocket for playing well? Because you look at right now, ninth in the league in scoring, D-man. I think he's the number one D-man in the league uh, with points, five goals, 11 assists, 16 points in 13 games. So over a point-per-game pace, uh, you know, he's uh, tied for third on the team in goals, first on the team assists, and he's second on the team in points. So Obviously having a good year um, based on all those statistics there, power play. I, I could go on and on and not ever let you talk with how good he is playing, but uh, you know, we want to let you get in this, in this conversation. All your fans want to hear that silky voice of your show. Like, what do you think about his game coming back and scoring all those points, like showing why he was brought up in the first place? Everything that, that you've, we heard and read and all that stuff with over the summer. Um, he was a leader on the, in the preseason right for the rookie the rookie tournament he was he was one of the captains um we talked about it when clay got the call earlier you know with the right shot demon going down maybe it should have been could have been dersey but it was clay how would he respond he was fine and it's just another situation where he goes up doesn't get any game then gets called back then gets sent back down I wouldn't be surprised if he knew going back down though, that he was coming back. I don't know. Maybe that's total speculation by me, but just, I don't know. But so he goes back down and then scores three, you know, gets three assists. I, you could go back to one of the first podcasts we did uh, on making it rain. And I told you, you were going to have to probably rein me in on on my Sean Dursey love and pun intended. Yeah. (laughs) Very good. He should be in Los Angeles. The, no ifs, ands, or buts. He's had seven, not to mention he's had seven points in his last two AHL games, but he should be in Los Angeles. He should be on the power play. They need an injection of offense, uh, I, especially on the blue line. Nobody's producing on the blue line for the Kings. And the Kings got snake bit in the last game with, with two goals from defensemen that got called back or called or changed for different yep. reasons. Uh, obviously Mata's was a dip, like a full on goaltender interference. It wasn't even close. And then Edler got tipped by Kempe, but, but you're right. I mean, the stats are the stats. There's still no goals for the defenseman and uh, he's producing points in, in bunches. When you're talking about a team that's struggling to score at five on five, they're struggling on the power play. They're not getting any production from the back end. A guy like Jersey, I don't want to like go too crazy here. He's, you know, he's, he's not, you know, Eric Carlson of 10 years ago. Right. But he is a player that, that they don't have that skill set on the blue line, right. From the right, they just don't have that. And that's exactly the type of thing that they need. And his puck movement and transition can help the five on five offense. He can clearly help the power play offense. And obviously 
you know, as a defenseman, assuming he can do those things, he can start to bring some production from the back end. So I am an extremely big fan of Jersey. I really was hoping that he would get in over the weekend, um, you know, for whatever reason he didn't. Uh, but here's hoping it looks like, but we'll see if he gets his shot on Wednesday. Um, and again, I hope he does. And I hope he plays well because um, he's, he's earned it. There's no question about that. He's paid his dues and he's playing well. Like it's, it's not as if he's a guy that's just been here and, you know, yeah, gonna, you're the oldest on the team. We're bringing you, you up. Yeah. Right. He's the production's there. He's been great. Right. So I, I think he's, he's not just earned it from his, the time, time spent there. He's earned it from his performance. So yeah. And he was a slow burn too. Right. So you have Grunstrom over in that trade with Formosan. You know, Grunstrom has been up, you know, Tonka has been doing uh, decently on the bottom six. And so we're like, Hey, where's Jersey? Where Jersey is he a bust in this trade? And, you know, like we said, the, the path to the NHL isn't always linear for, for prospects. And so he's doing phenomenal with, with the, his role this year. I think, believe he was a captain in the Arizona tournament. Yep. Um, and then, you know, today in practice, I mean, obviously Dowdy was there in a red Jersey. So the pairings might've been a little bit different, but he slotted in with Mata. So maybe I would hate to see, cause Clay was with Dowdy. I'd hate to see Clay being sat for Jersey. I hope they keep both of those guys in uh, I don't even not necessarily to. on the, on the same pair there, but I hope they keep both guys offensively because they definitely need the offensive zone um you know you're a coach I, i'm not so i maybe team has seen something from mata that i don't see but but you no. you're shaking your head for all the other player other people not not watching on youtube uh that it's not the case there and and so who would you put if you were to put the d pair lineup in for for wednesday against the leafs what would it look like to you I mean, it's, I know they had the, the really rough game against Carolina did Anderson and Bjornfoot, but you know, I can, it's hard for me to break up Adler Roy. They've been so good together. So I don't think I would touch those. Um, and then, so you've got three lefties and Clegg Anderson and Bjornfoot. So I'm okay. Leaving Anderson and Bjornfoot together. They've been pretty good. They, again, the, the game against Carolina was rough, but I'm not going to kill them over one game. Um, so I'm okay with going Clegg and Jersey. But if they want, because of, a, you know, the experience factor, if they don't want to do that, um, then I'm comfortable going with, you know, Mike, maybe Mikey Anderson and Jersey would be safer, right? He's Mikey Anderson has been a pretty steady defenseman. He's kind of used to playing with that offensive right shot D man and Dowdy. So maybe he's somebody that can play, uh, play with Jersey and kind of ease him in, if you will. And keep Clegg on the right side with Bjornfoot. I'm okay with that. Yeah. yeah. So if, if, if I'd be, I'd be good with that just because, you know, Edler and Roy, I think have just done such a good job that I, I don't necessarily want to split that up if I can avoid it. Um, but to your, what you said before, you know, if it's clay that comes out or somebody else that comes out and it keeps Mata in. And I think, yeah, I just, I really hope that's, that's not the case. I mean, I think it was a game the other day where I was shaking my head because there was, I think it was Mata that missed an assignment in front. And I don't recall if it was a goal or if it was a golden eight scoring opportunity. And I'm like, you know, and it's maybe it's me cherry picking, but if there's questions about Jersey's defense, well, he can do, he can miss assignments just as well as Mata can on that particular play is what I was thinking. And he can also contribute something offensively. So I think it's a no brainer what the decision is, but you know, we're here and we're not, we're not, we're not there making those calls. So let me, let me throw something, a quick question at you that, you know, that's not on the docket here. Mata's in the last year of his contract, uh, $4 million cap hit. I believe the Blackhawks are uh, retaining 750K. So the cap would be what, three, two, five. 
would you as the uh the kings retain the full amount of 50 percent um to to trade him away for whatever it's like just to to give other yeah. people opportunities yeah yes yeah. i would i mean but I mean, then again i was of the opinion at the start of the season that i wanted clegg and thought clegg could or should make the team and my odd man out was Mata, and he was going to be waived anyway so you know again that's always easier for for me to sit here on the couch and say that but you know when we're we're asking or having these conversations that's that's kind of what i was hoping to see so there's I something open- there's something that i i thought of the other day and and with the world juniors and all of our prospect prep helgi Ranz is going to be leaving the ring yes he is and they're going to be down a defenseman and they so you know to to get rid of mata and then bring up another guy consistently because you need 7d on the kings then you're leaving the rain pretty shorthanded maybe that move doesn't happen until uh i don't know when the trade deadline is it's after the olympics right yeah so that's why you're to your so point maybe you're, maybe you're just waiting until that point yeah yeah i, I don't i don't think anything's going to happen with mata so i think that you know, whenever it is that, that Helge goes and leaves. Um, but even still, you know, maybe the timing works out. So it's just right when uh, they're going to have to make a move probably either way, if you think about it, because say if, if Helge goes and Jersey say Jersey's the one to go back down, then they have to address somebody in Los Angeles, you know, again, maybe Dowdy's ready to slot back in, but maybe not. Yeah, that's true. So, so the, either way, they may have to, be a roster there may have to be a roster move somewhere so you know we're talking about a lot about jersey but the the rank at the dub um it is you know a five to three game mm-hmm. you know the, we talked about the slow starts for the rain but coming through uh pretty back and forth uh first period right team adding gets the first goal and then back-to-back goals for the heat and we didn't you know he didn't get might didn't get, didn't get his second goal until later in the period but we outshot the heat uh 11 to 7 and you know kept out shooting them you know for the second period it was less penalties which we know has been a problem for the rain it just seemed like a, a little bit more of a complete game what did you think about that i completely agree um and frankly the 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 shot attempts uh, i think kind of bear that out they really controlled that game especially in the second period uh they out attempted uh stockton by 10 22 to 10 and they were very strong in this game at five on five. Um, uh, they overall, they were 61% Corsi for a five on five. They out attempted uh, Stockton 50 to 32. So uh, yes, I thought this game was a much more complete game. Uh, and again, really good pace in that first period, really good pace. It didn't slow down a bit. The second period seemed to slow a bit. The two teams weren't, it wasn't quite as, is um, they didn't get after quite as much until maybe the second half of the period, they started to get a little, they started to trade some chances toward the end. And the third period, you know, it was interesting. Do you Um, think it was a little bit of puck luck? I mean, they're only credited with four shots on goal and got three goals out of it. Oh, listen, they scored three three goals in a row. So the first goal, Sutter's goal was, you know, he, they, there's a turnover created by, I believe it was Dudas, was a really good play, created just enough pressure, creates a loose puck, and Sutter goes in with an absolute snipe. It was a great shot. Same thing with Strand. He gets the puck at the tops of the right circle and wires a laser. Again, great shot. So in a way, and then Kachab scores on the next shot. So I think it was three consecutive shots they scored on. But Kachab's was, he got the puck in the slot area and was just 
waiting, waiting, waiting. And this, that's maybe one the goalie would want back, beat him to the stick side. But the other, the other two were just absolute lasers. So, I mean, I, in a way it could be some puck luck um, because, you know, you get other opportunities where maybe the Sutter shot rings off a pipe or strand shot hits a body, you know, so maybe they, they don't go in, but um, they went in this time and, you know, the third period. You're not going to complain how you got them. I mean, three goals in, in four shots on goal, that's 75% of your shots on goal go in. I mean, that's pretty rare. So, I mean, you're not going to complain how it happened, but it happened. Yep. And I had them, uh, I had them out attempting, um, stocked in 12, 10, that period overall anyways. So, um, they only had four shots that actually hit the net, but yeah, yeah. But shoot, anytime you got three, uh, pucks that go in out of four, you're getting, there's a little bit of puck luck there, no question, but they, the shots were, they were good shots. They earned them. Yeah. I think this is the, you know, we talked about our, our players of the week, yours, this, you know, came from this game. And, uh, as far as he got paid this game with, with his goals, uh, Kachev finally got a goal, which, you know, he's known as the assist guy, you know, he's apple tree Kachev. Um, and, and he just, he's known for all that sauce, but got a goal himself and strand got sent down after not really playing much on, on for the Kings to get some action there as well. Gets a goal, gets rewarded. So a lot of, a lot of good to happen here for, uh, for the rain. Yeah. I, and again, I thought, I, I really thought they, they didn't play that poorly. The special teams was bad. The flat out the special teams wasn't good enough in the first game, and I think that's what that's really what what did them in. Uh, All the goals were five on five in the second game. Yes. Yeah. Uh, well, I think there was a four on four goal. Um, Madden's Madden's second goal was four on four, but it was even okay. strength. Even it was strength, even yeah. strength. So, but yeah, so that's that's um, and this this power play all season has been good. Right. And we kind of talked about this, um, that it's not going to click 30% all season. And, you know, they had a rough go of it um, the last couple of games, but it's going to happen. Um, this, this one isn't really fair. They really only had one power play and it was for 20 seconds. So technically they were 0 for 1, but they had a 20 second power play uh, before it got wiped out with a jersey penalty. So even in the loss, I didn't think they played a bad game. You know, I thought that there's been games we, we've talked about on this podcast where they were, you know, out attempted and they were really second best, but maybe Valalta or Sparks, you know, kind of stole things or, and then they themselves were opportunistic with their power play goals and that, that bailed them out. And it just didn't happen this time. So, which is going to happen, which is going to happen. But I thought overall they played a, a pretty good two game set against uh, the other top team in the West. Yeah, I mean, they, you look at the the shot chart that they have on AHL.com and, you know, they had uh, 12 shots from inside the danger area. So like almost 50% of their shots were high danger chances. And so that can, you know, that can be accredited to, you know, maybe being outshot in the third period with shots on goal, but still, you know, getting quality shots and burying those opportunities. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I had them, I had them out attempting Stockton at, uh, in the high danger area too, in that second game uh, by quite a big margin. So I thought they did a really good job uh, creating uh, high danger opportunities and also limiting them. Yeah, so let's let's get to our uh, our featured segment here uh, with the, the World Junior pros- uh, World Junior Championship prospect corner. Um, the the Olympic jerseys are starting to come out now, and you saw the Olympic jerseys for Team Finland. And our prospect is is Finnish prospect, the blonde bomber himself, Casper Simon Tybel. So uh, what um, uh, you have we talked about earlier before the podcast. You haven't seen it, but I love the lion. The, the blue, the black, the crisp, it's all crisp. I, I thought the finish jerseys were very classy. So um, 
you know, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see those uh, coming for the Olympics. Yeah. I, I haven't seen those yet. I saw Canada's and I think pretty much anytime there's something like that, like a Jersey or a hat or whatever that gets dropped for some sort of sports team, the, the reaction on Twitter is going to be just all over the place and people are probably either going to love it or hate it. There's generally never anything in between quick thought when I first saw them was I love the whites. Uh, not so sure about the blacks. I thought the reds were kind of sharp too, but I get this sense on Twitter. I might be in the minority. I think most people hate the Canadian jerseys, but I didn't mind them. Then again, I'm I, not Canadian. So I don't I, know. I looked at them. I thought they were different. It almost like Terminator form. Like they're very simple. They're very to the point. It's like, Hey, we're Canada. We're coming here to get a gold medal. We're not coming in here for flash. And it was all the black uniform I thought was sweet. Like it was just all black. Yeah. I'm sure yeah. their domes, if their domes are red, I think it'll throw it off, but it'll probably be black domes. Sure they'll be black. And, um, and it was just like the red leaf right there. Very little like minutia. And it's just like, Hey, we're coming in here to, to, to knock some skulls in. So I thought the Canadian Jersey was pretty sharp too, but let's get to Casper here. Um, you know, I'm going to go over a little bit of his stats here. So, uh, during his draft year, he was playing in Liga for Tapara. Right now he's playing for Calpa. And, and before we got on there, I, I was in my prep, I was looking at the city where he plays in gorgeous. So, uh, if you ever got to Finland and I don't know how you pronounce it, it's a Cupio or something like that, but Joe looked at it too. It's like right on the water, right in the bay, like plenty of green. Like how could you want a better backdrop to a, to a hockey pond? Yeah, it looks like a, <laughs> I've never been over there, but that looks like a pretty nice place. That's for sure. So 2002 birth year, 5'9", uh, 176, drafted in the third round, 66 overall by the Kings. Uh, played in last year, uh, last year's uh, World Junior Championship, uh, with that, especially with that battle with Team USA. So on the mm -hmm. forefront of everybody's minds, uh, and for Team Finland last year, he had seven points in seven games uh, for the, in the World Junior Championships. What has been your thought on Casper? You know, because we we've you and I both fall in love with not only the the high level picks, but the maybe the gems. And he seems to be a gem for our team. You know, he 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 really does. And he's not he's not a guy that you would probably think of that. Um, he's you know he's five nine. He's not a big guy. He's also not as if he's you know lightning uh, in terms of how fast he is. He's not a guy that when you watch him, you're like, whoa, that guy's got to be one of the fastest guys on the ice. So there's, he's not as if he's somebody that necessarily stands out to you um, when you watch him play. To, but that said, he does so many of the little things. And I think I, I written about this with, I think it was Akil Thomas, who just does so many things well, that at the end of the day, they just add up. He, you know, whether he's, if he doesn't have the puck, the way he plays without the puck, um, and, and just how clever he is with the puck, particularly in the offensive zone. Uh, he gets himself into good spaces. So he has that kind of quote unquote hockey IQ, if you will, which when you are five, nine and you're not blazing speed, there's a reason why you're still somebody that gets drafted and is still somebody that's, you know, going to be on the world junior was, was successful in the world juniors and is now kind of gaining a little bit of steam as a prospect is because if you're, five nine and you're not blazing fast you're doing other things really really well um and, and i he, think that's why he probably maybe fell like you look at our guest scott wheeler had him at 27 overall and we got him yeah. at 66 um and you know like like he said in his in his you know draft profile and it, it, he looked at he out uh scored anton lundell which is a first over a first round pick 
um, in, in the world junior championship, um, with total points. And he's doing it in, in the modern way with being cerebral, using his edges. So he might not be a good straight line skater or the athletic type. Cause like he is kind of a stockier type fellow, but it's hard to get him off the puck. He keeps the puck inside his body frame. So it's hard to poke check it away from him. He's got good edges and he's not afraid to take it to the net. He's not afraid to charge a six, four, 225 pound defenseman and, and, and put the puck in the net. So I think that's a lot of reason why he's getting those points is that he's seeing the ice very well and he's taking advantage of those opportunities. What about you? He knows where to go and he's not afraid to go there. Yeah. You know, if there's going to be a conflict and, you know, at five, nine, like you said, he's, he's a bit stocky, um, maybe or sturdy if you will um or what he's he's there's some weight to him and that's going to help so when he has that type of that that body where he's even if he isn't a giant if he's if he's strong on his skates and he does and he and his edge work is as good as it is then that's what's going to help him kind of offset his size differential um and i think you had mentioned it and alluded to it with with scott wheeler when he was on our show and he talked about how in the particularly in the offensive zone you don't need to be somebody that is blazing speed north south uh up and down the ice you need somebody that is going to be able to slow the game down and say okay if i don't have the puck where am i going to be an outlet and he does a really nice job of that um, and getting himself into areas kind of soft spaces to where before you know it the puck's on his stick and he's able to put it into the net so um I think that's what makes his game so strong. And, you know, it seems like the Kings have compiled and, and I'm, maybe I'm just saying this anecdotally, but when I think back of the, to the Wheeler interview that we did, and he said, the Kings are one of the teams that, that, you know, really seem to draft along the way he thinks the game is going. And, you know, just off the top of my head here, you're thinking of these guys that when you watch them, like, and so they're physical tools. And when you watch them to like the, the average, you know, the average fan, maybe they're not going to be somebody that wows you. And when I say that I'm thinking of, you know, Akil Thomas, I'm thinking of um, uh, Simon Tyvel, I'm thinking of J Jacob Movarari, these Rock guys, Faber. Yeah. these guys that aren't lighting up the score sheet. They're not necessarily the flashiest. They're not necessarily the most skilled, the best hands, whatever it is, but they do so many things. Well, particularly off the puck, really, um, that that it just makes such a big difference. And when you do so many of those little things um, with and without the puck in all three zones that well, that that's how you become an NHL player. And before you know it, the product, production will come. Well, that's I mean, for most of those players, the production hasn't come, but for him it has. And I think the fact that he's short is the reason that a lot of people – maybe maybe discounted him if you look at in his 30 regular seasons game with tapera in his draft year he was seventh most points with uh players under 19 and he had he was fifth best in points per game for players under 19 in his in his draft year in finland's top 20 in under league he was second in every single offensive category behind anton lindell for the entire season so he outscored Anton Lindell in the world juniors, but for the season long for all players under 20, he was second overall Anton Lindell taken in the, in around 10th. And he was taken in the third, in the third yep. round because of his size. Yep. I, I think you're looking at where the game's going and, you know, his, you know, he's willing to approach the net despise his size. 
he he's willing to claim space to despise despite the disadvantage that he might have against a bigger player and he just outsmarts using his space or knowing what space is needed yep. and his shot is good enough to beat people inside the dots yeah again it, it's it's so much of, of what he is able to do in reading plays and and how well and how well he does off the puck and i think for anybody that you know we've mentioned scott wheeler a couple of times here in talking about simon tyvel so he has a a just incredible piece on Simon Tyvel on the athletic that he did a few months back. And for anybody that's a, that's a Kings fan and interested in Kings prospects, shoot, that article alone on Simon Tyvel is worth the worth the subscription to the, athletic. he breaks down every single point that he had in his, in his yeah, yeah. Yeah. It, it's, 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 it's impressive. And, and it breaks down everything that there is about Simon Tyvel's game. So um, that's well worth it. And he just after, you know, you, you look at that and then you see the type of player that he is um, and it makes you excited to see now what he can do with team Finland um, again in, in the world juniors. And now there's a, an exciting player to watch uh, to see how he performs. Um, and again, it's, it's, he may not be a guy that, that is going to wow anybody right with the way he plays but at the end of the day you might look at the score sheet and say oh man it was simon tyvel again that's got a goal and two assists that's exactly how i was watching the world junior i was like okay simon tyvel's on the first line team finland might not be very good and then team finland was in the in the medal round and then you're like man simon tyvel with another two points or simon tyvel with a nice goal and and this and that and i think you look at his game and, and watching and look at the article and like watching all the the plays that that Scott has there and watching the world juniors. He's not only good at, at spacing or understanding space, he's good at sequencing plays back to back within space. So understanding this particular situation, creating a play either to himself or to another prospect, and then getting to another area of space mm -hmm. where he's available for said player. How effective is that in the offensive zone? It's huge. I mean, you can, we preach it to our players at the high school level here is you can't just be stationary. You can't stand still. You have to, if you, if you, you have to be moving your feet. So you, so we, in, in your, what you just said, he makes the pass or he, or he dishes it off and then he's got to figure out where am I going next? Because you can't just stand necessarily in the same spot and expect everything to just come to you. You have to read the players around you, read where the flow of the, the, the play is going in the zone, where the defensemen are going or the, or the opposition is going. Um, and, find those little pockets of space to get yourself into a position where you can be useful because it's not just about getting you into space. You need to get into a space, but also into a space where your teammate can hit you with a pass. There's no sense in getting into a space that there's no way a puck's getting to you. Uh, but he is very, very intelligent in his movement uh, without the puck to make sure he's getting into those, those strong areas. And he's not a guy that, that, you know, it's not as if he's picking up garbage goals, but if, you know, I think people kind of knock that a bit where, well, he just, he had tap-ins or whatever from the top of the crease on a rebound. Well, he was there though. You know, he put he's himself... five, nine, he's going in the crease. He's not afraid to, to get dirty, to, to make it happen. Yeah. And, and, and if there's something to that of knowing where to be, to put pucks in that, it doesn't matter how they go in. If you're consistently doing it from, from certain areas or for, from certain spots, you know, and most of his goals are going to be coming from inside the dots. Um, there's a reason for that. You know, he just seems very confident in his own skin, right. As a creator of, of, like I said, he sequences a lot of things together and then his past maybe leads 
his teammate draws the defender over. So he creates his own space off the pass he's given to somebody else. And I, I think he's just a, a supremely cerebral type player. And he's util- he knows his skill set. He goes like, this is who I am. I'm never going to be 6'3". I'm never going to have blazing speed. I know the strengths of my game. And I'm just going to pound that into the ground to create points. And he does it consistently. Yeah, you know, I think of, and this is going to be, a, and I shouldn't even go here because I don't, you know, the comparisons are, are really dangerous. Um, but sometimes it's, I guess it makes the conversation kind of fun, right? Um, mm-hmm. So I'll just throw a name out there is that when I think of Cerebral, and I used to watch him all the time here in Western New York and Buffalo, who was a guy that didn't wow you with his skating. He actually had a pretty underrated shot, but he didn't wow you with his shot or his hands. There was nothing about his game. If you were the average fan that watching him, you're like, okay, he's okay, but he's nothing special. And that's Sam Reinhardt. But at the end of the day, that's a really productive hockey player. Not a yeah. big guy, not huge, but extremely useful and productive on the power play. Um, he was probably more of a passer and a better passer than Simon Teibel is, is a bit more of a goal scorer. So it's not necessarily a great example. When I think of cerebral though, I think of a guy like Sam Reinhardt and how he played the game. He didn't wow you with his tools, but at the end of the day, the production was there. And that's because of how smart he is and how he knows where to go, particularly without the puck. Yeah. We're seeing it a lot in, in the Kings hockey now with Brendan Lemieux using his defensive skills, his puck hunting skills to create offensive opportunities and in, in Wheeler's article, you see that he's cr- directly creating over six point, uh, six of his points off of his own defensive skill. So how, the, how Scott is talking about in the scouting is using his offensive knowledge of spacing to, to take away lanes, passing lanes, poking, uh, poking the, the puck away, then creating the pass that we've been talking about for the last five minutes and getting into space to create those points. So he's using his offensive mind to take away defensive lanes for for the opposing team do you notice that with offensive guys on your team or is that a skill that is just instinct at at that age i think uh i think it's what's there's guys that you think of 200 foot players uh the guys that are good at both ends of the ice and at the elite level it's guys like andre kopitar patrice bergeron um but I think because you, there's those guys are so good and they can read those plays in the defensive zone, probably in part because of how strong they are in the offensive zone. But the biggest thing that I get with, with those type of guys is there's no, they don't cheat to create offense. They're willing to see through their defensive responsibilities, make the, the important reads when they come and then are able to quickly take that and make the turnover, create the turnover, and then turn it into offense. And in Simon Tyvel's case, if he is somebody to use those smarts that he has, the spacing and kind of understanding where things are going to be going or where a play may flow, where a play may develop because of how smart he is in the offensive zone, is he doesn't have to cheat then to, to create a turnover or, or, or to, to hope for a transition. He can help to do that by still being responsible in his own end. And, and that's, that's a big deal. That's a big deal. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, going into his skating, which is what his biggest downfall was, which for a lot of people, and maybe that might be straight line speed. That might be uh, how creative you are through the off- the neutral zone and, and all that. But the, one of the scouts that I was looking at in his scouting report said that he does a good job at finding space behind defenders with his timing on when to turn on his skates, his first or second step to get going when to turn on the timing. And then two, he has be, he has a, a high level of control of his edge work 
in his crossovers and, and up against the board that allowed him to use his intelligence that we've been talking about. His his skating in terms of his edge work, you can see it in those clips that we've referenced, that article of Wheelers in the Athletic. There's a goal he scores on one foot, strictly using his inside right edge. And it's, it's from pretty far out, considering of the way he was set up to take the shot. It's right on top of the circle. So, yeah, that's the thing is, again, it's not necessarily all about being the fastest guy in the ice in a straight line. If you're able to, and this is what's separate, this, this right here is what's going to separate him and to say, to see, okay, is he going to be able to make that next jump is, can he make these decisions as he goes up in levels Yeah, and yeah. at full speed? So even if his full speed or even if his, you know, whatever, isn't as fast as others, it's fine. If he, but the defender speeds are going to be faster. Right. And he's going to have to make those decisions a lot quicker. So if he can make those decisions as he is at his top speed or as his comfort speed, wherever his, his cruising speed, if you will, when it's, when it's time for him to make those decisions, if he can make those plays, those same little bump passes or the same plays off the wall, or be able to do things like that at high speed, as he goes up in level, that's, that's, the name of the game, you know, being able to make plays at top speed um, at the highest level is, is what's going to be able to get you to jump from the, you know, where he is in Finland to the American hockey league, and then to the NHL. Uh, because I think as the game gets a lot quicker, your time to make those decisions gets a lot shorter. And that's where a player who is cerebral in nature, maybe has a little bit of a leg up because, you know, he's able to process things a little bit quicker. Yeah, so he's playing for Calpod now, and I and you know he's a, still the second youngest person on on that roster, and he's doing this against men. He's scoring points and, and having all those the success against athletes of that of that nature. Obviously, the sheet is a little bit better or bigger than than the American sheet. But does that give you more confidence as a fan or somebody who knows hockey that he's as a smaller player is already making these plays against men, already making these passes and and the awareness against uh, professionals in Finland? Yeah, it does. I mean, I think that um, you almost would expect him to do it against his peers. And I guess that's, that's a little bit dangerous to say, because that might think that now my expect expectation, he's going to go and just dominate the world juniors, which it's not always, that's not always the case, but the fact that he's able to do that against men at a pro level. Um, and so he's used to at least at the very least, he's used to the strength that he's going to be going up against when he gets to North America. Now the speed's going to be a little bit different. You know, the AHL and the NHL is going to be a bit quicker, uh, I suspect. So the, you know, the decision-making then is going to have to be a thing that, that comes um, and he's going to have to adjust to that, but he's at least going to be adjusted to going to the net, um, going in against a more physical presence than he is in a bigger body um, and being successful at it. So I, I do think there's something to that. Yeah, I mean, he, I, I kind of expect it. Now, you say you don't really expect it, but I kind of expect it. And and he was on the first line last year with Anton Lindell, led the team in points. He's a year older. He's expected, according to, um, again, Scott Wheeler's uh, uh, roster expectations, to be on the first line right wing with Romy uh, uh, Hero Vinen and, and Roby Hervante uh, is what they expect to be the first line. So first line last year, leading point scorer. He's on the first line or projected to be on the first line this year. Will he wear a letter? Maybe. 
Um, I fully expect him to do the same thing as he did last year. Maybe his team isn't that good. Anton Liddell is a first round pick. So right. you're taking away that dominant center. I think he might even be playing with the Panthers. I'm not, I'm not a big care uh, Florida follower. So, I, but I, I know he was in the conversation in camp, uh, but I expect him to do well. And I, if, if he, he should do as well as he did last year, at least uh, maybe his roster is a little bit diminished, but I expect him to get over, you know, if they play six games, you know, probably seven or seven I, to 10 points. Yeah. I mean, I guess what I'm, what maybe what I meant was if he doesn't do that, it's like, it's not a panic button. No, right. Exactly. That's, that's, you know, hopefully he does do that. And and if he does, that's great. But you know, if he doesn't, I don't think that means, you know, Oh no, we, we should all of a sudden stop being excited about him because of a six game stretch in the world juniors. So, you know, obviously hopefully he does, but um, I think it is, it, it's, it's a good thing that he's playing the way he is uh, in a pro league over overseas. So, man, uh, after reading and uh, reading up on him, he's been, he's been one of my uh, favorite kind of a uh, up and not up and coming, but a, uh, you know, kind of a blacklist prospects or under the table prospects that we have. Um, obviously we, we expect the Byfields and the Turcots and, and the Kaliev's to continue to produce, but he could be a sneaky person to get up on the, on the top line. You know, that not, it's not always first round yeah. picks that, that help push a team forward. You know, we've had Matt Roy, a seventh round pick. You look at, um, you know, Luke Robitaille, one of the greatest Kings of, of all time, not a high pick. So, you know, you're just kind of, you're kind of hoping that you get some of that production from one of the later round picks and him being a third round guy and the production that he's having in a pro league in Finland makes me very optimistic that, down the line, he can be a contributor to a cup or two. Yeah. And the fact that he's, you know, he's a few years away is, you know, that's okay. He's obviously going to be on the, in the next, in theory, wave. Yeah. Next wave over. The next, yeah. The next great Kings team, you know, after the, the core of, of Kopitar, Dowdy quick as, you know, as, um, you know, is gone, he, he could be somebody that's instrumental in next, in the next run through with the byfields and, and Kaliebs and Turcots and such. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for us. I and mean, we, we could go longer on Casper because I, I think it's just, he's just such an interesting prospect with his size, but his, the way he gets it done offensively is just supremely different to what is being preached and what we see from the top players like Connor McDavid and dry And he kind of just gets it done in a different way. And, and, and seeing him do that is just very interesting to me and Joe. And I hope that you guys, notice him and, and watch the world juniors coming up and, and see just how special of an offensive talent he is from the, the cerebral nature. He plays the game. Uh, we're going to be, we have a lot of uh, games coming up. We've been kind of, uh, you know, putting together all this content on two games. So uh, we might have a 17 hour episode with, you know, four <laughs> games coming up this weekend. I'm just, I'm just kidding about that, but we have uh, Friday and Saturday. We play Bakersfield and San Jose at home. Then we go back across the border to Abbotsford and play them in back-to-back games on Tuesday, Wednesday. Uh, the pod should be recorded on Thursday out roughly next Friday. So a little bit of break for us with the holiday. Um, you know, I'm going to have to gain and lose the weight over the weekend. So, so that I'm in podcasting fitness, you don't see it underneath here. Cause you're, I'm, I'm chest down, but I'm just, I'm booking away with my feet down here and, <laughs> and trying and trying to lose the LBs. So, uh, we're, we're going to wait for that. Hopefully have some more content there. A little bit, maybe a little bit more debate. Joe and I have been pretty consistent with how we view the team has been. And maybe with some, uh, some more games, we can get a little, little debate action going. 
the Kings play. This should be out probably tomorrow. I'm assuming, which you don't know what tomorrow is because you don't know when we record it. It'd be <laughs> Wednesday, uh, probably right before the the Leafs. And if you listen to this before then, I think I'm going to be on Twitter Spaces tomorrow before the game. I don't know if Joe has the time to join me, but uh, come and ha- and talk to us uh, for for the Kings. I might be on there, so keep a lookout. Joe, where can they find you on Twitter in case you're out there? I will make a uh, concerted effort to join you on that if you do if you do partake, and they can find me at JW Paterino. You can find me at Rando Commando 24. You can find us at hockey underscore royalty or royalty underscore pod. If you're more of a reader um, or, or you're deaf, you can look at the hockeyroyalty.com uh, for all the articles there. No offense to the deaf people. I was just trying to be funny. Um, and, uh, and, and hopefully the Kings can get, get a W because uh, losing the Coyotes was rather depressing. Yeah, they could use a nice bounce back tomorrow. And hopefully Jersey scores, you know, it's been like more scored against his old team. Yeah. Runstrom scored against the Leafs. I think it's time to draw in. Maybe we get a nice little more, you know, Jersey Grunstrom triad Love goal it. and just like a little, little rub F- it in the F- FU to the Leafs right there. Yeah. Like, not <laughs> or that they're, thank not, you. Or, or thank you to the Yeah. Leafs. Not that they're not, uh, like. not that they're not happy with Muzzin and, and we wish uh, Fuzzy Muzzy all the best up there in Toronto. Um, I've also heard that uh, Cliffster, you know, got picked up by the the Leafs. He is in the area to potentially be brought up tomorrow. Not official yet, but he might be drawing into the game as well. I was going to say Muzzin, Campbell, uh, Clifford, a little bit of a reunion here. Yeah, we don't want to forget about soups. Everybody loves soups. So um, again, Joe, thank you so much. As always, my man, Uh, catch us out on the next pod and subscribe. Thank you so much. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving to you.